You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One doesn't just go into Assembly Hall and get a 17-point win, but number 18 Illinois put together its most impressive half of the season, outscoring Indiana 40-21 in the second half. They notch a statement 74-57 win at Indiana. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner at home. Joey Wagner, Derek Piper were at Assembly Hall. I think the best venue in the Big Ten uh, when it comes to atmosphere. I'll ask him or ask those guys about that. But guys, that is now three quad one wins during the last two weeks for this team. That's four straight wins. For the Illini, they're now two wins ahead of Michigan State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten standings. Uh, assuming Purdue holds on to beat Michigan, they're up six at halftime as we record this. There'll be a game ahead of Purdue going to what will probably be the Big Ten game of the year in West Lafayette on Tuesday. But before we get uh, ahead of that, let's break down the Illini's biggest win. We'll start with you, Derek. A, a dominant second half. First half wasn't very clean. Offensively, they really struggled. Uh, and defensively, they weren't as, as locked in. A lot of fouls in there. Uh, but what's your big takeaway from this one? Make it 13 out of the last 15 Big Ten road games. I mean, it's pretty amazing in an environment like this, which uh, Joey and I have been talking about is not – they haven't had – well, they've gone on the road and gotten some wins at Iowa uh, and – I guess they didn't at Maryland, but this was a amped up, amped up crowd with a lot to play for for Indiana, where they could have been eight and four in the league and one game behind Illinois had they gotten this done. So for Illinois to withstand some of those moments of roaring crowd and in Indiana leading for much of the first half to be able to stay poised and come out in the second half and put on a defensive clinic and Indi- make Indiana uh, by limiting Tr- Trace Jackson Davis try to get their other supplementing pieces to, to force them to beat you and they didn't because they struggled to make shots and that's kind of been the story for Indiana for a while now but uh, Kofi really clicked into place after starting one for five and uh, ultimately dominated uh, down the stretch and got the best of Trace Jackson Davis so that was huge Trent Fraser's shots were uh, enormous it felt like even in the first half he had a response where it could have been an Indiana what, maybe it was a 5-0 run, keeping it from going 10-0 or something really insurmountable or really a deep hole. He would make a, a shot to make sure that didn't happen. So uh, great win, big win. And to the point about the quad ones, I mean, this is really, really important to elevating back into the top four, top three seed in, in the NCAA tournament because there was a point in time where Iowa was your only quad one win and you had more quad two losses than you did quad one wins. That is no longer the case. and You just keep building this thing up. Yeah, Joey, uh, after they lost to Purdue and Maryland, you know, you're without Kofi going to the Michigan State game. You find a way to win that game. You find a way to win Northwestern. But these last two, this has looked like the top 10 team, the the Big Ten title team uh, that some of us thought they were early on in, in the preseason. Yeah, and they've still done it more or less without Andre Curbelo. Like, he's available, but he's not getting the usage that I think we would have all said we thought he'd be getting on February 5th, if, if we would have been asked in November. And like he was impactful tonight, I thought, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. So there's still, you can still see a step to grow a little bit. And I think that's, if you're looking at this as, you know, a fan, like, it's a really encouraging thing, right? There's still a, there's still another level to get to, but this was like Derek said, 
this is a pretty loud environment. I mean, there are lines of kids as we're waiting, you know, waiting to get in as we're walking up. And it's been probably since 2019. And really, I thought a key stretch there in the first half was Corbello gets tripped. It's not called. Goody has a flagrant, which was a flagrant. And Indiana get, goes on a 6-0 run, and you think, oh, man, like that's – in this atmosphere, that, that could have been big. And Illinois kind of clawed a little bit to make that not the case. And it was just, a, frankly, a bad first half. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis didn't play for 15 minutes of it, and Illinois was trailing, I think, at halftime. That should not have been the case. And, and I just think you, I learned a little bit about – I mean, we knew this was like Brad saying is being tough and, and this whole deal that, that he preaches every time he talks. But I mean, I think you saw it today, right? That, this, that was a, they responded in the second half in a way that I don't know that we've seen that kind of full fisted punch of a response out of them this year. Yeah, the other thing, I think they responded in little moments in the first half, Derek. Uh, Trent Frazier didn't score, I think, for the first 12 minutes of this game, uh, 13 minutes of this game. Uh, and then he scores nine points in the final seven, eight minutes of the first half. Alfonso Plummer just had some big buckets, gets to the free throw line on these step backs. You know, uh, I thought those were massive just to keep Illinois within distance. And you know, beginning of the first half kind of felt the same way. It's like, man, if Illinois just makes these open shots they're getting – all of a sudden, it'll it'll blow open, and then Jacob Grandison hits those couple threes, and and Illinois just got confident, started making shots. I felt like Illinois was getting the shots they wanted for most of this game, but Kofi or Curbelo missed them around the rim. Grandison Plummer, I mean Plummer missed back to back wide open threes in the same possession, but I, I, they stuck with it. They they didn't freak out. Um, I, I thought they were out tough the first five six minutes of the game. Indiana's defense, which is very good, uh, really impacted them. But they always had these little responses, and then all of a sudden, once shots were made, they they were rolling. Yeah, they definitely did. You saw the DeMonte step-back three that was early on. That was one of those where Indiana had a couple of baskets, and he hits that shot. And you mentioned Plummer having a few of those. Goody knocked down an open three that was good. Uh, and then, yeah, early second half, they missed their first six threes, and, and that worried you a little bit. But uh, once they were able to start getting it going, I know Alfonso Plummer told us afterwards, Joey asked the question of, when did you know that you were going to really break through and break away in the second half? And he's like, well, when Trent starts getting hot and who can stop him, and then DeMonte makes one, Grandison makes two, I make one. And they're really hard to guard when they're able to knock down shots like that and for Kofi to play the second half that he did. But it was a little worrisome where it's kind of that odd dynamic. And I know we saw it in this those watching against Purdue when they played here and put Trace Jackson Davis on the bench with two fouls. And somehow Indiana got hot and sped ahead and, and took a lead. And kind of the same thing was happening. It's like, wait, this guy is out. You should be able to, to make them – pay for that and Illinois wasn't able to for uh, a little while there and, and credit to, to Durr for being physical with Kofi and he wasn't handling it the best for a little stretch there but yeah to, to stay within range you know Brad said he was thrilled to only be down two and at halftime and a big credit to some of those guys been making those timely shots. There's not much more we can say about Trent Frazier uh, and once he gets on a heater Joey he, he can just uh, carry this team but you wrote 
Uh, well-timed, by the way, about Illinois' defense taking a big step forward. And listen, Derek said it, Indiana's offense is not very good. Like that, that is a thing that is holding them back. Their guards aren't very good offensively. Xavier Johnson got a couple things. But, uh, man, Illinois' defense ratcheted up in the second half. There was a 10-minute stretch where Indiana made two of 13 shots, barely scored during that stretch. Um, this is why they were able to win on the road. I, I think it's as simple as playing defense. Defense travels, as Brad Underwood said. Um, and, man, when you get stops, you can make a 21-5 to run. Yeah. I, the, well, first of all, the piece wasn't the most well-timed in the first half. They weren't very good <laughs> in the first half. And and I at one point I thought, oh, man, I got to scrub the internet clean. That's not going to age very well here. Oh, they fouled. They, they fouled a lot in that first half. And, and it – it got to really kind of be an unwatchable game a little bit there. There was just tons and tons of, of fouling, and there wasn't a lot of flow. And I will say second. this, Joey. Uh, right. I thought the first half they forced some tough shots, but they either fouled on them or Indiana made some tough twos, like Galloway uh, with the runners. So I still thought they were playing decent defense, but the fouling was certainly the issue. The fouling probably kept Indiana in it. And, again, it's still very weird to say that when Trace Jackson Davis didn't play effectively the whole first half. But DeMonte Williams, man, you always hear, like, I know Brad has said it all the time, is he guards people bigger than him. But Race Thompson's a large individual, and he's a really good basketball player. I mean, he's a really, really good basketball player who plays really hard. And there's no time that DeMonte could have taken off while guarding him because Race would make, makes everybody pay for it if you, if you have any laps. And I just thought his work in the paint, because Indiana tried to exploit that size matchup. They tried to go in there. And DeMonte held firm, and then Kofi maybe even fed off that a little bit, and he really limited Trace Jackson Davis in the second half. And, like, that's the defense I think that Brad gets giddy over when he sees that is just – they're just imposing their will effectively. And it it sparked the whole run, and they didn't turn the ball over as, as frequently there. And was, that was as good a half of a defense. Michigan State was pretty good too. But in the second half, Indiana had – Point six seven seven points per possession, and maybe that's a lot of numbers that don't mean a lot, but that's not very good. No, that that means a lot. You're you're not going to win many games with zero point six seven during a second half. Illinois might have been close to that in the second half of Michigan State, but uh, they found a way to win. Uh, Derek, I, I do want to throw a lot of praise to Kofi Coburn. Ten points over the last ten minutes of, of this game. You know, Trace Jackson Davis. I'm sure the Indiana fans got to be sitting there going like, hey, if you're a big-time player, and this is my issue with him being called, you know, called Big Ten Player of the Year sometimes, I think he's a great player, phenomenal player. Uh, I think he'd be a great number two on a championship-caliber team, but you can't have your best player have six points, six rebounds, get a bad second foul on Alfonso Plummer. But Kofi was a big part of it in the second half. I want to give Omar Payne a shout-out, force Jackson Davis into two bad turnovers uh, in the second half. But Kofi... Uh, bad first half, but he responded, man. Um, I, I think that's huge. 17 points, eight rebounds. It felt like Jackson Davis was kind of impacted by the first half. Kofi Coburn wasn't. Yeah, it was a great response by Kofi, obviously in a, in a big-time matchup. And Trace, while he doesn't have the same type of strength and physicality to be able to hold his ground for the most part against Kofi, but he has the length to be able to challenge some shots. But uh, really, you saw the way that Kofi was able to bother him with his offensive game and there was one move where Trace kind of jab stepped him and was pulling him away from the paint a little bit and got by but outside of that when he was trying to play 
bully ball or just traditional back you down mode. Trace was uncomfortable and ended up, you know, taking some shots where he would just fall on the floor and it showed that he doesn't have the type of strength to be able to withstand that. And that's been one of the knocks. And you said it there when he's played some of the more physical, imposing front courts in the Big Ten. Uh, he's he's had some struggles at that those kind of moments. And really just uh, Kofi's been a little a rung above in terms of consistency. So uh, Kofi bothered him. Uh, the, the physicality certainly wore on Trace as the game went on, and he wasn't able to click into place in that second half. Kofi was, and that's why his team was able to run away with the victory. We talk about this team's depth a lot, guys. Um, not a lot of minutes for, for these guys in the second half, but why would you? I mean, Frazier, Grandison, Plummer, Williams, Coburn, all a plus 15 or better uh, in this game. So when you're making that run, it's all of them on the court. I do think Curbelo you know, didn't score a lot, was one of four from the field, but he gave them – at least in the first half, a guy who could break down the defense, Joey. But 12 minutes in back-to-back games. Uh, let me know what you think about him uh, and, and how Brad Underwood, I don't know if he was asked about it after the game, like how they're kind of bringing him along. But I thought R.J. Melendez gave some solid minutes. A couple bad turnovers for him, but I, I thought he was active. There were plus eight on the court with him in there. Goody hit a three. Omar Payne gave some solid minutes. Uh, Coleman Hawkins a little iffy uh, again, but what do you think about how Brad Underwood is using his depth right now, Joey? I think we saw a lot of it in the first half. And in another game in the second half, you ride with who's who got you there, right? But in the first half, Goody's in foul trouble. Grandison's in foul trouble. Coleman was – I thought he had a couple bursts on defense specifically. Uh, then R.J. Melendez comes in, and there was a time – three weeks ago, two weeks ago, where it's like, oh boy, what, what do they do? Because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it happen in a game. And slowly that's starting to happen. Brad was not, after the presser, asked about how they're working in Andre Curbelo, but it's it's clearly a slow process. And I think, I wonder how much of that is just physically conditioning-wise, getting him up to speed. You'll remember on, I mean, what's today, Saturday? So we would talk to Brad yesterday. Uh, he said that Andre ran like crazy on Thursday. They had him running uh, just to, to get him there. But I also think some of it is, and this is working right now. Like, that's the thing. And, and Frazier and Plummer, and that dynamic is working. And you would think, unless Brad went really, really small in his lineup by taking out one of DeMonte Williams or Jacob Grandison, you would think it's got to be one of those two guys. And it's like, how can you as seamlessly as possible work a really high-usage player and his high usage, you know, that it's deserved because he does things. He got to the rim, like, in ways that other players on this team just can't do. So how do you integrate him back into this lineup without disrupting what really got you here? And, dude, things are clicking right yeah. now. So, like, it isn't like you're, you know, you're one or two and four, two and three in your last five games. You're rolling right now. And, you know you have to bring him back in, but it's not as easy as just saying, okay, kid, go, because there's a lot of other pieces that move. I agree with you, Joe. I think it's – how do you take Trent Frazier out right now, right? Like, and the good thing is, you know, Curbelo can give Frazier, like, three-minute bursts on the bench, right? Like, and you feel like you can uh, hang, and, you know, Curbelo's a minus one today. So that's 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 a good backup point guard there. Uh, but, Derek, I love that Curbelo doesn't seem to be pouting. I, I thought Michael Dewitt made a great point, like – 
a lot of guys in his situation, first team All American, would be pouting all that. He seems to be, you know, on the bench, cheering for his teammates, excited about winning games. Uh, so I give him a ton of credit. But I like how Brad's playing this right now. Like Trent Frazier is has got us here. This is his team. Uh, but Curbelo can give us these bursts, and at some point. Whether it's you know Tuesday at West Lafayette or you know they struggle in a game against a team they should win, you know Andre Curbelo can can give you a boost if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. I know that was a huge key as we're trying to figure out when ultimately Curbelo's back and what buttons Brad's going to push and how he's going to integrate him and what's kind of his philosophy of are you going to start him? I mean, you're not going to do that right away, but the end game of. Uh, does the offense re- resolve or revolve around him all of a sudden for a team that had figured a lot of things out and had gotten into a nice flow in the season that Trent's having and being able to make plays with the ball in his hands. So uh, him not rushing that, him being able to be adaptable and kind of feel out the game and understand that Trent's going well and, and that Plummer had, had done some things and, and he felt good about that lineup combination. And he didn't worry about uh, needing to have Curbelo out there and, uh, that says a lot about the season that Trent's having and to be able to morph into that that pure PG, really, and, and, and be able to play that spot for a guy that had to be thinking once again. You know, Iowa's had the ball in his hands a bunch last year and d- throughout that three-year run in, at Illinois, and now it was going to be Curbelo's chance and everything was going to revolve around him. Uh, for Trent to be able to be playing like he's playing, uh, that's been impressive. And also, like you said, I mean, there's something to be said for a guy like Andre Curbelo where there are some other – players on this team that maybe would pout a little bit more when they're not getting the tick that they want. Uh, and really just in general, you, you know that he's got to be dying more than anything to get back on that court for what he's gone through and uh, to be team first and, and to be uh, showing outwardly that he's he's all about wins and all about his teammates is, is really important. And it goes back to, to why Brad talks so much about culture. I, I do want to make one more reference to another point. I mean, Devontae Williams, we mentioned him with uh... – you know, Race Thompson, three blocks tonight was, was huge. I think everyone that was on the takeaway DeMonte Williams minutes is, is is understanding why that wasn't the case. But Jacob Grandison, the last two guy, games, guys, only six points tonight, but the six biggest points, it felt like, of the game, turning that thing around. But also four assists in his last three games. Uh, had some bad turnovers early in this one, but was good in the second half. And f- over the last three games, 17 rebounds. Joey, that's what that's what I he showed some physicality. Uh, Michael Tube tweeted out there was one where he put a body on Trace Jackson Davis where he, uh, he was getting ready to slam dunk a, a putback. Grandison's making some nice contributions here lately. Yeah, Brad Underwood said he does not like when Jacob Grandison is not on the floor. And if you've listened to Brad Underwood talk for four years, you understand that is a, or five years, I guess that is a pretty significant statement coming from him and and I know it's like an easy thing to see and talk about that he's always this cool guy but he gets really cool when those shots go in and he starts doing a lot of other things at a higher level Um, he had four assists tonight he had four rebounds tonight that's that's pretty good given he didn't play a lot in the first half either because he was in early foul trouble And, and I think the thing that stands out about his game today was he just wasn't very good for three minutes to start this game he had a couple bad fouls. He had the turnover. And I looked at Derek. I'm like, oh, boy, like, was that a one-off kind of deal at Wisconsin? And I say that knowing what he's done all year. I just mean one-off in this particular stretch of basketball. And he came back, and he really turned it up. And those threes, Mike Woodson said after the game, like, that was kind of it. Like, those were, those were the ones. I know Trent got 
you know, burning fire at, you know, in the game, in the second half, but those threes really just started an avalanche and it kind of made sense. One of them tight, they gave, gave the lead. The first one he hit gave the lead and the second one extended it. And it just felt like getting that lead finally was a huge deal because they had, they'd gotten close and gotten close and, and they never got it. And it was kind of fitting that he was the guy to step up and, and hit a three at a huge time. And I didn't think he forced it either. He only took four shots. He wasn't trying to shoot himself out of anything. I thought he just played within the game and it's huge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, Derek, I want to point this question at you. I think they've had their three most impressive wins over the last two weeks, right? Like th- this team is building steam just like Brad Underwood teams do uh, the last two years here at Illinois. Which was the, How would you rank them most impressive? Indiana on the road, Wisconsin at home, Michigan State at home without Kofi Coburn and Andre Kruber. How would you rank those wins in terms of uh, how big they are for this team? I think you got to go first with the Michigan State win to win without your big fellow, to win without Andre Curbelo. And, and Michigan State at the time was top 10 in the country. And you were coming off of the Maryland loss and, and it lost to was it Purdue before that. Weren't you in, at risk of losing three straight games going into that one? Yeah, that would have been the third straight loss. I, I agree with you. I'd put that number one because I don't know if they beat Northwestern if they don't find a way to beat Michigan State. Right. So I would have to put that one first. I know ultimately road wins are qualified more in terms of you look at the net rankings and everything like that. So this one, I guess I would put this one too, because I know you would look at Johnny Davis and Wisconsin, you were co-leaders at the time, but I just think that going into a building where Indiana had lost once all year, the giving the weight to winning on the road. And, and I think that we talked about it with, after the Northwestern game is if you were able to win two or three of that next stretch. I know Wisconsin's part of that and part of this question, but I think that really to get this one right before Purdue is a big deal uh, and, and allows you to go in there with a little less pressure and a lot of opportunity to really take a commanding lead. So uh, I would go Michigan State first, this one, and then Wisconsin third. You agree with that, Joey? Yeah, I agree. Indiana lost one game here this year, now two. This is an easy place. Like, I don't know if it showed up on TV, but this this was a hard atmosphere to win, and and especially not looking ahead to a rematch against Purdue, and and I just I thought they were within themselves, and this is the one. This is number two for me. Michigan State still is kind of mind-boggling, to be honest with you. 
Uh, and Wisconsin, that's fine. That's a good win. And isn't that crazy? I, I, that? I mean, like, I thought I thought Wisconsin. West I thought Wisconsin was the most impressive win, start to finish. Right? Like, I, I just thought they played like a Big Ten title team at home. But I, I would agree with Derek in that, like getting it on the road at Indiana kind of solidifies you as that, and just beating Michigan State without those guys, like that might be the reason you win a Big Ten title. Like you shouldn't have won that game. Like, for many reasons, right? Kofi and Carmelo are out. Also, you didn't score in the last six minutes. Like, you shouldn't have won that game, but you found a way to do it. And and that's why I do think it's it's number one on that list. If anyone's struggling to put in perspective of where this team is, we're just kind of ho-humming a little bit, a win against Wisconsin <laughs> at home. Like, I understand it's a big win, but like... I called it the win of the year three. the other day. So. Well, well I, I just... That's what this that's stretch really- has been, though, right? Like, this is... This is I, I mean... This is Big Ten championship run kind of stuff. And now, guys, hello, Big Ten game of the year. Purdue right now up seven in the second half. Michigan is fighting, man. And and Hunter Dickinson, I know this audience does not like him. He's playing at a Big Ten first team level. If his team won more games, but uh, he doesn't have much around him. So he's trying to keep Michigan in that thing. But I think we know these are the two best teams, right? Like Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State. I think they're very good teams, capable um, of winning a share of the Big Ten title. But I think talent-wise, what we've seen so far this year, Purdue and Illinois look like the two big, uh, best Big Ten teams. And it was an epic game here in Champaign. Derek, what are you expecting of West Lafayette on Tuesday? Oh, man. Another just big-time, big-time environment. Uh, I would be interested to see if Illinois is going to be ranked top ten in the country. Not that it's going to matter all that much because if you – take care of business this, this whole thing will sort itself out but another chance for a quad one win but when you think about espn apm uh all eyes nationally on that that game and, and really a great chance for illinois to as i said take a a real commanding lead um, i know that ultimately you know we'll see what michigan state does here or wisconsin and you're not going to have like some insurmountable type of advantage but to give another loss to Purdue, who we – I would fully agree with you. I think that Purdue is the second – or those are the two teams that are the best in the Big Ten. And uh, Kofi's response against Edie is going to be fascinating because I think he's going to have to do better than he did in the first half in terms of playing through physicality. And it would be interesting to see how that game is called ultimately. And it'll be interesting if we get a Bo Borowski game or not. But, uh, yeah, and I think that it's a great challenge for Trent Frazier, who – his nickname off night for his defensive prowess. I think the one guy you could circle who didn't have one is uh, Sasha Stefanovic uh, in Champaign. So uh, being able to give a better effort there, but it's going to be a high, high level basketball game. Uh, two teams that are, are final four capable, capable of winning the big 10. And uh, you're, this is a game you're going to look back on uh, really. And it could be the decider ultimately, it ultimately could, especially, uh, if Illinois, with a lead, still uh, is able to get that win and, and win this all three of this humongous stretch uh, to start off February. Yeah, Mackey and Assembly Hall are my two favorite places to go watch a road game in the Big Ten. So uh, this one will be taken up another notch because it's a more talented team, uh, definitely offensively. Joey, we came into this saying, hey, win two of three here and you feel great. Uh, maybe we undersold them, man. Uh, just go win them all. Yeah, I, that, that's easy to do at Mackey, which will surely be boozy at 8 o'clock uh, on a Tuesday for a top-10 game. But Again, I know we talked about this after the Wisconsin game, but it did feel a little bit like a missed opportunity. The Purdue first swing and then Maryland, you can get all that back right now. And that is a testament to picking it back up after a crummy loss at Maryland. 
and you, you put this thing back together and, and figured it out and it, it's crazy that this opportunity is presenting itself again in a league that has teams like Purdue like Michigan State like Wisconsin that you can go trip up in a pretty significant way in Maryland and still walk into Mackey with a chance to really plant an orange flag right in the middle of the floor and right in the heart of the Big Ten title race. Yeah, if they win that game, Derek, I really struggle to see how Illinois doesn't win the Big Ten championship, or at least a share of it. Like, like crazy things are going to happen, right? But you beat Purdue, all of a sudden you're home against Northwestern, you got to win that game. You're on the road at Rutgers. Uh, I know the rack, or Jersey Mike's as they call it now. Um, they, they can be difficult there. Purdue knows that. But like, I struggle to see this team losing five Big Ten games. Like I would struggle to see them losing three of their last seven games. And I think if you have five or fewer losses, I, I think you're winning a share of the Big Ten. Yeah, 100% with you. Oh, without completely tripping up there later on in February, where I know you go to you go to Michigan, you go to Michigan State. Uh, you mentioned there at the rack won't necessarily be easy, but when you really eye the, the what we're viewing as the top two teams, it's Michigan State's not as trustworthy. I mean, they they're playing at Rutgers today. I, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to lose, but it's a team that offensively has some some limitations. Uh, we've saw that play out in, in Champaign, and uh, I think that they will be more susceptible to taking a loss they shouldn't, or just uh, maybe losing a, a big game to keep them at the top of this chase. And the same thing really goes for Wisconsin when you rely so heavily on. Johnny Davis and Davison and Wall and, and the supporting cast beyond that. Uh, I know that we've we've talked uh, repeatedly about their more favorable stretch uh, down the the last month or so here uh, in, in the Big Ten title chase. But to put another loss on Purdue to, to create that separation, uh, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be putting a banner up when it's all said and done uh, if you're able to get that win. Good, uh, huge win for Illinois. We'll see how they uh, if they can put another one up. I mean, guys, it's pretty amazing uh, what this team does in February and March, like mid January through March, uh, at least into the until the postseason. Brad Underwood seems. What do you credit that to, Joey? Like, why is this team under this coach able to make these kinds of runs? If you know, even if they lose against Purdue and still win like the next three. That's a heck of a stretch. Yeah, I just don't think he lets things rattle them. I, I think he's such a – like, it might sound weird to say because I know on the sidelines he goes absolutely nuts um, at least once or twice a game. But I think he, he's quick at turning the page himself, and I think that carries down. And and in stretches like this, like, it's, it's easy where you could let it kind of pile up and spiral and get there. And I also think he just – he really works them in the off season and he works them in the in this early part of the season. And like, yeah, this is tough, but Brad, I just think he sets a tone. I, I think his tone is really good. I, I think especially the last two years, they've had really good and loud and prominent and correct voices at the top of the player chain in the locker room. And that comes from him. That's an extension of him. And I just, I, I just don't think they get phased. I don't think they get rattled. I don't think they care I, I don't think they care about the things surrounding them and I know that sounds cliche and and I, I don't mean like any social media or anything like that I just don't think they care if people are like Kofi said standing up and booing him and and telling him he's the worst basketball player and he's overrated I just don't think they care I literally don't think they care because I don't think Brad cares well we and know I, we know DeMonte don't care because he's from Peoria apparently that is <laughs> that's word on the street that's what I've heard is DeMonte DeMonte does not care 
And I think the other part is it's an old team. We talked about at the beginning of the year. It's 23 and 24 year olds. I think Kofi's the young guy of the, of the starters, right? And he's he's a junior All American. Um, that that pays off a lot too. Well, Derek, Joey, thanks for joining us. Get home uh, and uh, gear up for another huge trip in the Big Ten. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we got to go get food. Brad said we got to try some salad here and and boom. No salad, salad, man. How did you take that, Joey? Because Brad, Brad thinned out last year. I'm, I'm going to say he uh, put some muscle back on. How did I take that? About as well as you can suspect that I took that. I don't care. I actually asked him today. I said, you must be back on Twitter, huh? And he said he opened Twitter, saw that, and told somebody, said, can I send this? Yeah, go for it. So off it was, the roast of Illinois media. Got you on salad, bros. Come on. Come on. All right, boys. Thank you. Later, man. See ya. Great stuff from Derek Piper and Joey Wagner. Appreciate them joining us from Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. They'll have more coming up at IlliniInquire.com. You can check out all of that. I got my quick hits up already. Uh, Isaac Trotter weighing in with some top takeaways from that game. Uh, Joey and Derek will have some pieces of my player grades as well. So stay tuned to IlliniInquire.com for the latest in that. I'm also working on a kind of a reflective piece on Illinois football class of 2022 the kind of behind the scenes stories that go into some of that so that'll be coming up at IlliniInquire.com as always if you're not a VIP member you can get VIP membership for just one dollar for your first month so give us a try I think you'll really really like the content we have especially heading into a month from now is March and uh, Illinois as always it seems like the last three years is getting a lot of momentum uh, heading into March, and we'll see if they can continue that in West Lafayette. As always, thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, a rating, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.